In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, if you are joining us for the first time, or for the first time in a while this morning, I want to let you know we're in the middle of a sermon series on 1 Corinthians chapters 1, 2, and the first part of chapter 3. And I want to give you a bit of a recap so that you can better grab onto where we're going to go this morning. I think, um, by the way, just to set some expectations, this should only take like 45 to 50 minutes. Um, I just heard that uh, they need a lot more time, a lot more time downstairs to get ready. So strap in. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Last week, Paul, writing to the Corinthians, implored them to give up their factions and allegiances to certain leaders and preachers. People were saying, I follow Paul, or I follow Peter, or I follow Apollos. And there was this group who had it right, and they were saying, I follow Christ. And Paul was pretty pointed with them. He says, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? No. And this leads to him to say, I'm so glad I didn't baptize any of you. Again, kind of a weird thing for a pastor to say. So that you wouldn't be even more confused. In fact, I wasn't even sent by Jesus to baptize, but to preach. And preach without eloquence and without wisdom. To preach plainly so that the cross would not lose its power. As if dressing the message of the cross up with wisdom and lofty speech would somehow take away the power of the cross. The last verse of last week's reading is the first verse of this week's reading. And again, this is printed for you on the back of your bulletin if you want to follow along. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And that's the main point of this morning's sermon. The word of the cross, as foolish and as weak as it will always seem to the world, is the wisdom and the power of God for our salvation. What is the word of the cross? That saying might strike us as a bit um, Bible-ish. And sometimes this ESV translation, unfortunately, exhibits that. Uh, it's kind of a churchy word. It's a Bible-type word. What does that mean? The word of the cross. Do we, do we talk like that? The word of the weather. The word of the Vikings. Uh, that's not a good word, usually. Um, <laughs> the word of the twins. Also, not much better there. You could think of, yeah, I did, Delaney. You could think of this as the message of the cross. The message of the cross. Like saying, what's the word? What's new? What is the message of the cross? You might summarize it like this. God's wrath against our sin is satisfied by the death of Jesus Christ, God's own son, on the cross. On the cross. Of course, there's much to be said about our sinfulness, our need of a savior. God is creator of the world. The ancient promises of the Messiah that God would send to redeem his people, all of that. There's a lot more to unpack. But at its core, the apostolic proclamation that the church is built on is that Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God, was crucified like a criminal. And through that, God is redeeming the world. Salvation is found in the cross. Salvation is found in the public, state-sanctioned execution of God's Son. 
And to this, we, 2,000 years removed from all of that, <laughs> having grown up with that message, we say, yes and amen. Or, you know, 100 years ago here, they would say, ja und amen, you know, yes and amen in German. But because of that 2,000 year span of time, we have lost the horror, the terror, the, the offense of the cross. We, and we don't get why this is such a big deal for Paul and the Corinthians, for him to just say, I don't want the cross to lose its power. I don't want to try to dress it up. He's not saying, I'm trying to preach like I don't know how to preach. He's saying, I don't want to try to remove the offense. I don't want to try to make this more palatable. Gregory Lockwood, who is the author of the Concordia Commentary on 1 Corinthians, can help us out here. I'm going to read a, a quote from him. He says, so long as the cross has been a centerpiece in churches that Christians can easily forget the shame and offensiveness it represented in the ancient world. Only criminals and recalcitrant slaves were crucified. Indeed, Matthew's gospel portrays Jesus' death as that of a slave worth 30 pieces of silver. And Paul draws a connection between Jesus taking the form of a slave and dying the death on a, of the cross. From Philippians 2, where he talks about Jesus, he humbled himself took on the form of a servant, humbling himself even to the point of death, death on a cross. In short, as has been well said, to assert that God himself accepted death in the form of a crucified Jewish manual worker from Galilee in order to break the power of death and bring salvation to all men could only seem folly and madness to men of ancient times. That's the end of that quote. In other words... There is no way that preaching Jesus crucified for sinners will ever, ever make sense to the world and be received by the world. Christians have always been and will always be seen as backward, <laughs> stupid, time wasters at best, and hateful bigots who should be ostracized, jailed, or killed at worst. The message of the cross, the word of the cross, is foolishness to the world. Not only does it not make sense to the world, let's talk about us. It often doesn't even make sense to us, right? Think about this with me. The cross is the wisdom and the power of God, eh? And yet Christians are just as befuddled and weak in the face of life's challenges as anyone else. You would think, you would hope, right? It's reasonable. The Holy Spirit who hovered over the face of the waters at the creation, who came down upon Jesus in the form of a dove, who enters into us at our baptism and stays with us and daily conforms us into the image of Christ, taking us from one degree of glory to the next until Jesus returns, you would think that would at least like put some springs on the wagon for us or something, but life is hard. It doesn't get any easier when you become a Christian. If anything, it becomes more confusing and more difficult because we suffer loss and trauma and we go through trials and frustrations, and all of that. And we think, where is God in all of this? Because we follow in our master's footsteps, we adopt attitudes in the church that seem to be intentionally weak and foolish. We heard it in the Beatitudes this morning from Matthew 5. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, not the strong and the powerful. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Wow, that's a, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Righteousness' sake. 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Blessed are you. Yes. That's pretty upside down and backwards, isn't it? Let's consider it the blessing of God. Jesus says we're blessed when all that stuff happens to us. If you're a Christian, you've been baptized into Jesus Christ and you share in his victory over sin and death and the devil and yet you and I still sin, none of us will escape death. And daily we are assaulted by the devil and his forces trying to pull us away from our hope and to steal our joy. Does that sound like victory to you? It's okay to shake your head. We do some back and forth here at St. Peter's. Are we sure that the Son of God's government-sponsored execution, not even to mention his torture beforehand, that's really where our victory lies? That, what, what does that do for us? And there we have it, right? The foolishness of what we preach. This is why Paul said earlier, I don't preach the gospel with eloquent wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of its power. Any attempt to make the word of the cross make sense or be um, easily received misses the point. It's not easy to receive and it doesn't make sense. And that's on purpose. Because Paul says in the wisdom of God, none of us could find God through wisdom. None of us can make sense of everything in the world in a way that leads us into believing in God. The gospel of Jesus is a bunch of nonsense unless the Holy Spirit draws us to the Lord Jesus. I cannot by my own reason or strength come to my Lord. As Dr. Martin Luther says in the small catechism, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 28 and 29. Paul says this, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God, so that none of us might boast. If some of us, through our wisdom or through our strength, could have a tighter grasp on Jesus, on faith, that saves us. Those people could boast about that thing, but God doesn't want that because all of us are equally sinful. All of us equally deserve God's wrath. None of us are better than anyone else. So God says, so that no human being might boast, God flips everything on its head. Now, let's go back to the Corinthians for a second. They, they were a prideful bunch. They lived in an important city and they probably lived pretty well generally speaking. They had access to influential thinkers, philosophers, artists, economic and cultural opportunities, and more. And later in the letter, we're going to learn, well, not in this sermon series, but if you read 1 Corinthians 11 and 12 and 13 and 14, you see that they had been given extraordinary sign gifts of tongues and miracles and prophecy and wisdom and healings and all that. They were established, a force to be reckoned with, and they were enjoying an embarrassment of riches. And this was leading them away from the cross. Because 
The foolishness of God that drew them into fellowship with Jesus Christ in the first place was, well, you know, they had kind of moved on from that. They had graduated from that very basic level gospel stuff, or at least so they thought. And this is a hazard for us today as well, friends. It's a hazard for all of you, and it's a hazard for me. We might not live in a modern-day Corinth like Chicago might be, for example, but we do live in the United States of America. Think of how civic pride and patriotism, which are not bad things themselves, can so quickly turn into pride that, like yeast, works its way through how we think of ourselves. What nation has ever afforded its citizens more opportunity and liberty and quality of life? You don't have to be wealthy by American standards. You don't have to be one of the 1% in order to be in the top 1% of people who ever lived in terms of wealth and creature comforts. And our church body, the Missouri Synod, has been blessed with such wealth of theological and doctrinal riches. We've got not one but two seminaries. (laughs) And, I mean, I didn't go to either one. I went to a different seminary. But I'm, I'm legit. Okay, it's all right. <laughs> we have Concordia Publishing House that puts out all kinds of beneficial resources for applications within our homes and within our schools and within our parishes. And some of you had even, some of you even had the privilege of going to a Lutheran school. Maybe it was this one here across the parking lot. I never did, but remember, I did go to seminary. What God says through St. Paul to the Corinthians, he says to us today, because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Who's the him there? Is it any one of us? Is it you or is it me? The him here is God. Because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. As we come to a close here, I want to emphasize again, the word of the cross is the central Christian proclamation. It's the message of the church, and it is foolish and weak. In order that the world's power structure might not be an advantage to those who happen to be privileged enough to uh, use it to be saved. Neither strength nor wisdom are of any use for us in comprehending God. Now let's hear an amen to that from all the weak and foolish in the room today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm glad I didn't have to repeat that. That's all of you, weak and foolish, and me, weak and foolish, and for watching later. We're all weak and foolish. It's okay to be honest about that. In fact, it's kind of freeing to be honest about that because we have a great God who is strong and wise, who loves us and who gave himself for us. Like the Corinthians, we must be mindful to not let gifts that God has given to us as residents of America or as Lutherans and as anything else that we are, pull us away from what we all should really be boasting in, the crucified God who loves us, who hung on the cross with pieces of iron driven through his wrists and through his feet, who had been beaten to the point of death beforehand, who laid in the tomb for us for three days, who rose from the dead in order to open the way out of the grave for us and now sits at the right hand of the Father and prays for us constantly. We can't leave that. You never graduate from that. You never get beyond that or past that. Sometimes we are granted some perception of the power 
and the wisdom of God for us on the cross. Sometimes we feel like, yes, that makes sense. Other times, the cross by which we have been saved seems useless and weak in our own lives, doesn't it? Where are you, God? Why does... Why can't I get out of this cycle? Why can't I get out of this season? Why can't I have some breakthrough? Why do you hate me, God? It seems like you don't even like me. It seems like the cross does nothing for us. In those seasons, we don't lose heart because the Lord Jesus crucified for us knew that in this life, we would still encounter trouble. So he says to you in today's gospel lesson, and in a second, our choir is going to sing it to you as well. Christian, are you poor and aware of how needy you are? God blesses you, for the kingdom of heaven is yours. Christian, are you mourning? God blesses you, for the kingdom is yours and you shall be comforted. Christian, are you starving for righteousness and justice that you can't seem to find anywhere else? God blesses you, for you will be satisfied. A hard, difficult life of trials lived under the shadow of the cross is a life walking in our master's footsteps. We are not alone. He's not abandoned us. He is with us always to the end of the age. When Jesus returns, all will be revealed. The foolishness and weakness of what we preach will then be seen by all creation as wise and powerful. It says... At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Until then, we cling to this foolishness and weakness of God by which we are saved. Because there's no other hope for us. There's no other name given by which we might be saved. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time,